0: Welcome here to another episode of Disky Vibes. My name is Liolo and I'm joined by my co-host, Chaba. How are you doing, bro?
1: I'm blessed, blessed, bro. Happy to see another day. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Uh, I'm doing
0: really well. And uh, we do have a returning guest, our favorite yet,
2: Um, Mr. Neil. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing great. Always great to join you guys, here. Yeah. Lovely to see you guys smiling <laughs> yeah. Good to have you on the show <laughs> Thanks. Yet again yeah.
0: um, we, we definitely look forward to that vast knowledge and experience that you have The last time, hey, we learnt a lot, man Yeah, We really did learn a lot from you And uh, without wasting any time Today's episode focuses on Premier League managers Those who have come, those who have gone And those who are still in a Premier League position today So who are some of the names that come to the top of your head when it comes to English Premier League managers? It doesn't have to do with how much success they've had. It could be just interesting managers over the years, or it could just be managers that didn't even have a long time in the Premier League, like Frank Dubu, for example, who only managed four (laughs) games with Crystal Palace. Which are some of your favourite and some of your disliked managers over the years within the English Premier League?
1: I don't think uh, this manager is my favourite, but he's, he's had a great uh, great two years, I think, in the Premier League. For me, An- Antonio Conte. Yeah. So for him to come to a, to England and to um, implement the five-at-the-back system, which was not um, used by a lot of managers, I think that, that takes a lot of guts and... and for him to actually win the Premier League with that team is that's something that's a special achievement for him, and I think he's a quality manager and I think his time at chelsea was 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 really fruitful he had costa he had hazard he had all these brilliant players and he found a way to to get the best out of them as well as Marcos alonso yeah who played in that wing back position, and as we've seen recently um Frank Lampard hasn't played him in that position or he's found it, he's found it hard to integrate him into the team. So I think for him that year that two years was really special and if I'm not mistaken he didn't have a, a good first season or it didn't work out as well or did he? Or Chelsea? Oh, he, he won, won the, the first, league in the first season. In his first season. So
0: I remember what happened <laughs> is they had a very bad run uh leading up to December. Yeah. They played Arsenal And that was the last straw that broke the camel's back. By virtue of the fact that after that game, he decided that I'm going to back five. Five, He started playing Victor Moses. That's also another name that we don't mention. A player who led them to the title, who was very instrumental down the right-hand side. Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso. So, it was actually his first season. And this is a man who actually didn't last long in England. England, But had so much success, in my own opinion.
1: And um, Louis van Gaal actually tried the five at the back... um, (laughs) formation and it didn't work out as well yeah. so he lost the f- uh, the first few games that he he tried that formation with for United and then he reverted to the to the 4, four three, 3 I think or for the usual the the Dutch way of playing yeah 4-3-3 three, three. so I think the four the five at the back for Conte that that's really something special for me and I take my hat off to him so for for me, Antonio Conte was a special manager for Chelsea, yeah.
0: especially considering the fact that he made this change mid-season. Yeah, you know they didn't have a preseason; they didn't have enough time to plan around it. He made the change abruptly, and it paid it paid dividends. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Neil, who are some of the the managers that you think of?
2: I'm I'm gonna put two current. Uh, coaches against each other and uh, two rival clubs yeah so I'm gonna speak on uh, I'd like us to talk about Jurgen Klopp yeah definitely. Uh, what Klopp has done for Liverpool that is amazing um, we we heard the jokes coming from the United fans which ship has never landed at the Anfield dock these <laughs> ship all, <laughs> Denver, all the years you <laughs> know so uh, Jurgen Klopp definitely I think what he has brought to Liverpool with that pressing game, I think we can also give Rodgers some uh, respect to that. Um, But I'd like us to think about Ole. I think there's a man that is getting away with a a lot of murder. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're listening. (laughs) Yes. uh, You know, I look at that class uh, of the 90s, Neville and all of them, they are pundits and they're very partial. And when it comes to management of a prestige club like um, Manchester United, as a Liverpool fan, I have, to, I have to say, Sir Alex's hard work that he's put into the club, you can't let one of his students mess up the whole school. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I just have to say that. That's a very and, strong word. <laughs> yeah. it, it's very strong, but uh, he's still in the job. Yeah. How can he still be in the job? And what Klopp has done... I think the philosophy, the pressing game that that we're seeing, look at Mane and Salah putting in a shift every week, the way he's utilized Firmino. Yeah. If Brazil could utilize Firmino in that way, they would see a bigger return from Firmino. I think Firmino is one of the unsung heroes in in world football at the moment. And it's how Klopp uses Firmino. Yeah. And really has made a powerhouse uh, out of Liverpool. So, um, Jürgen Klopp and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Definitely. Let's speak about Klopp. Okay. For me,
1: I think Klopp has pioneered the Gagan Press. <laughs> yes. He was one of the first uh, managers to... Okay, probably not the first, but because Gagan Press is, is, is an old tactic, I think. Yeah. It's been used before. And that's what we see with some of these tactics. They come and they go. Yeah. And these managers find inspiration from the past. And mm-hmm. they implement it in today's game. But in today's game, the pressing, uh, pressing is one of the most important... Um, facets of the game, every team presses the opponent and you can't, I don't think you can survive without pressing, we see United do it, we see yeah. Liverpool do it, we see City do it, all the big teams have a pressing formation, so I think he's 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 a pioneer of the pressing game and he's one of the most important managers of today's game.
0: Yeah, definitely,
1: and what I love about um, Jürgen Klopp and what he's
0: been able to do when you look at the the departure of Coutinho, right? Oh. And when you look at that team, you ask yourself, going forward, where is the creative impetus going oh. to come from? A lot of managers, after losing a Cortinho with that Liverpool side, I don't think they go on to become as successful as oh, yes. Klopp has become. But because he was so smart and so clever that he was able to then use... Three playmakers One being Firmino Who would drop Into the midfield And then Robertson and Arnold Playmaking from Wide right. positions I think Klopp is one of the First managers To really Within the English Premier League I think he's actually The first manager To use fullbacks As yeah. playmakers Yeah, And for me That was very Very creative And very smart Because while Allowing his, his Fullbacks To play as playmakers What it then did was it allowed Mane and Salah to tuck into those inverted spaces and channels that they love to tuck into and score goals. Yeah. So then when you look at Liverpool and how they played, essentially whenever they, 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 they had the ball, it would become a 2-3-3-2. Two, three, three, two. The two up front being uh, Sala and Mane and then the three behind them, it was Firmino in the middle Robertson on the left, Arnold on the right Because they'd push up so wide mm-hmm. And then in the mid, in the three in the midfield Then you'd have um, Fabinho in the midfield As the anchor You'd have Henderson, you'd have Wijnaldum And then the two at the back being um, Van Dijk and uh, Gomez Who are so good on the ball And what Klopp has built with Liverpool He's built such a formidable side mm-hmm. And I love how strong Liverpool have become And this is a team that went on to dominate european football and dominate even in england without a traditional number 10 Mm. and this speaks to uh, an episode that we had where we were speaking about the number 10 and how he was able to create a system without a traditional number 10 but still have so much creative and fluid play within the team and that for me speaks volumes about how clever he is as a manager Mm. because a lot of managers when they lose a playmaker of the value of coutinho It's very easy for them to make an excuse and base everything around that. But ever since Coutinho has left and Liverpool have gone on to succeed, we have not heard Coutinho's name come up. If anything, it's the player who wants to come back because he realizes that maybe what he left was so good. And another thing that people don't really um, applaud Klopp for is his um, utilization of the Coutinho funds to build this team. Mm. And how he was able to take the money from from Coutinho and not say that I'm going back into the market to get another number 10, but I already have a system where I can have creative play within the team, but I need a goalkeeper and a centre-back. And that's what he did. Because a lot of managers will try to replace like for like. Whereas other managers who are smart and can think outside the box, wait a minute, this gives me an opportunity to create a new system. I've got a Firmino who's, in my opinion, a nine and a half Mm -hmm. A player who can play as a 9 and a 10 And then I've got these two High-flying fullbacks Who can create from wide positions Which will predicate for Mane and Salah To score the goals But what is it that I really need? A Mm centre-back and a goalkeeper And with the system that Klopp has come up with I love how direct it is And how they look to overload one side And hit the big switch out to to Salah on the right-hand side And if he's cutting in you've got Arnold going on the outside. And on the left-hand side, exactly the same thing is happening. I love how Liverpool are such a great systematic team and everything they do is so precise. And what they do on the one side, they do on the other side. That for me is a definition of a well-balanced structure.
1: Mm. I agree, I agree. (laughs) But we can't talk about the greatest managers without mentioning Sir Alex Ferguson.
0: Yeah, so
1: without um, getting into Sir Alex as of yet I
0: want us to talk about the infamous managers Managers who aren't as popular Mm. So the Sean Deitches of this world (laughs) um, The Tony Pulisces of this world And the Sam Allardyces of this world Who are some of your favorite mid-table team managers? Mid-table? Yeah
1: Um, I think... um Sam Allardyce, Big Sam. Mm, Yeah, Big Big Sam. Sam. Big Sam is, he gets the job done. Yeah. (laughs) That's what Big Sam does for you. (laughs) If your team is a, is a relegation favorite, just get Big Sam. Big Sam, yeah,
2: he's the guy. Just get
1: Big Sam, and Big Sam will will get his players, and he will, he will, he will get you out, out the relegation. But I think David Moyes as well, had a, had a good team at Everton. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. He he had a, a, a proper team that had, character as well. He got, Big characters like Tim Cahill, Fellaini, mm. those kind of players who who are honest and get the job done. And I think he's building as well a similar team in in West Ham right now. Yeah. Who has also like the the big, tall uh, midfielder like Suchek, Suchek yeah. yeah. Suchek is there as well. So I think David Moyes, even though his stint at United wasn't successful, I think take that away. He's been a he's been a good mid table, mid table to eighth. Eighth, eighth, Yeah, eighth, yeah. yeah.
2: Eight please. Yeah, eighth, please, manager. I think those two that he mentioned are the two that I would look at as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Everton especially, uh, under Moyes, was really uh, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. On that day, they could tear anyone apart. Yeah. So, uh, Moise is always there in the back of my mind because I know what he's done to Liverpool as well, you know. <laughs> you know, he could really deliver on the day. And Big Sam, I like Big Sam. Wasn't it Big Sam that told... Uh, Benny McCarthy to lose weight yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) so you know you need guys like that when a guy's not in shape when a player you know he he can talk to a player and bring him to the level to produce yeah Yeah. and you know that that is what uh, coaching is about to manage those players even if there's some big egos in the team
0: yeah
2: um so yeah those are the two that I'd say that you need at a club like you know when you're mid-table yeah those are the guys you need (laughs) those are the guys you need
0: I, I, I reference Sean Dyche, man I I, I I draw to Sean Dyche Especially because of how Pragmatic he is And how honest he is Also as a, as a footballing manager I love a coach who plays to the strengths Of his players, his players. Yeah. And Sean Dyche gets the very best Out of all 11 of those players yeah. And the interesting thing About Sean Dyche is that Irrespective of how badly Bernie Can be doing during the season yeah. He always gets a contract extension. Mm. You'll never hear of Burnley in talks of getting uh, a a new manager at the club. If anything, he's been linked to the England job. He's been linked to bigger jobs, even when he's doing badly at Burnley. Mm. So that alone, to me, just (laughs) has quite a humorous side to it. Because this is a very pragmatic, very um, British and very traditional coach in how he sets up. And he's never going to move away from the 4-4-2. That's how he plays. And what I love about that is that he's also been able to find a space for a McNeil, a Dwight McNeil. Very talented footballer, um, very educated left foot. But within that 4-4-2, he's able to have a playmaking role. And to me, that's just really interesting and how he's kept Burnley in the Premier League for so long and how Burnley are just able to have that longevity within the Premier League and they're known as the most difficult away game in in the league currently Previously was uh, Tony Pulis' stoke yeah. They were mm. also Very difficult To go and play against So I think managers And teams like that Are Make the league Very interesting mm. If I have to say You know Because everybody's Trying to play With a number 10 yes. Everybody's um, Counter pressing Everybody's building up From the back You get this manager Who says You know what 4-4-2 four, four, We're going to hit it From <laughs> goalkeeper To the striker Long balls. That's it yes. You know And as much as it 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 might not Always look good To the eye But, I mean, we all love an effective manager. A manager who's able to get the job done. The next question I have for you guys is, how do you feel about um, the great flurry of footballing managers who were previously players, but who are now being given a role and who are now being given chances at these big teams? So, for example, at uh, Fulham, you've got Scott Parker. At Chelsea, you've got Frank Lampard. Uh, Man United, you got Ole, at Arsenal you have Ateta How do you feel about all these um, ex-footballers Now coming into the fore and coaching Do you think some of them deserve it? Do you think that they should serve their time in the lower echelons of football Then get the chance Or do you think if they're ready, they're ready Irrespective of how many years they've coached Or irrespective of how many
2: coaching badges they have Uh, I I would look at it as performance-based Especially for uh, the newcomers to the management world, former players have have a lot of have a lot to give, especially to a younger generation. If you look at uh, um, guys that have done it successfully, maybe not in the Barclays, but like Simeone, he he went into coaching. Uh, But I think there there needs to be um, that transfer of skills has to happen, but not while you are a player. I really think that they should serve their times at, at lower clubs. It's just my opinion, yeah. because when they come into that big team, uh, the fans have such uh, um, high expectations. And they're coming against the likes of Mourinho. They're coming against the likes of Klopp. And they really need to perform. And if we look at Ole as an example, Ole has not been uh, producing. It, it's been two years. And, you know, even though he's a favourite son of, of Old Trafford,
1: Yeah,
2: um, is the club going to stick with him? When do you call it? Because there's emotions in football, like you always say. Yeah. Uh, when do we detach from the emotions and look at results? That, that is very important. Even Maradona got fired from Argentina, you know? <laughs> yeah. when, when there's nothing on the table, we yeah. need to look uh, forward yeah. to what's next.
1: For me, I yeah. think we have to look at it uh, on a case-to-case basis. I think we've seen managers who'd, who've made the easy transition from a player to a manager. Like uh, Zizou, I think, even though he managed in the in the youth youth yeah. teams, um, like Pochettino at at Espanol, he saved them from the relegation fight when he when he came from from PSG as a player and he moved to Espanol and he made that easy transition from manager to 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 coach. So I think we have to look at it case to case basis, and I but I do think and I I do think that they should, I'd advise managers to go through the ranks like Lampard. Yeah. Did with Derby, go from the championship to the premier League just to to um know your philosophy i guess yeah. if I'll put it like that to to uh before you get to that big club, you know what's required of 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 the job you know what you require of your players and and you you know because the big players won't have time for you to find your feet
0: no yeah
1: they they won't wait for you to 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 do that, so yeah, I think it's advisable to start. At the lower ranks and work your way up Yeah. So
0: I personally think That it should be based on on merit And I say this Also with regards to Protecting the coach himself The football game is growing So rapidly that uh, Footballers aren't just footballers anymore But they're worldwide superstars And because they're Worldwide superstars It's very easy for them to disrespect A manager who has not done Anything at the highest level and especially if you come in as a ex-player who didn't achieve much. Mm. If you're coming in as a Frank Lampard, you're gonna get the respect of yes. the training room from the word go. Everybody's gonna listen to you. If you're coming in as uh, Azizu, a you're gonna get that respect. Yeah. You know? mm. And I think it's a lot easier if the um, the, the 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 manager has actually been been involved within the structure of uh within within the structure of of the team right if the coach has previously coached at uh the lower level if the coach has played for the team the coach understands the philosophy the coach understands what is going on from that base point it's a lot easier for them to make the transition but if they're coming fresh off playing i really would advise that if they're going to go to another team that they get their badges and that they actually go through the ranks and get to understand the footballing world because the world as a player is totally different to the world as a manager and that's what a lot of them get to understand it becomes a culture shock for a lot of them so it's very important that they understand the world of football in general and with that being said I do thoroughly enjoy uh, a narrative of a Pep Guardiola, a narrative of uh, a Frank Lampard, a narrative of um, a Zizou. It really is nice. It really is a feel-good story. However, in my opinion, they always have to earn their stripes, and it has to be merit-based. And now to finish it off on the biggest one, we have to rank these following, these following. These following coaches, right? And with that being said, uh, we've got Sir Alex Ferguson, we've got uh, Mourinho, we've got uh, Arsene Wenger, we've got Pep Guardiola. Where do these managers rank and how do you guys feel about these four managers who've been in the Premier League and who've done well in the Premier League?
1: Uh, for me, obviously, as a United fan, you know who, I'm, who are, who's the greatest for me. Yeah. And that's uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Look at the amount of years he's been there. Look at the teams that he's had. Even when he was winning, he he often changed the team. And uh, he wasn't too reliant on one player or one individual. He was the main man at the club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was the captain of the ship. So for me, he ranks up number one. Yeah. And then I would say second would be Klopp. Only because he didn't inherit... uh, an already uh, winning squad. He inherited a team that came close to winning, but yeah. it had never won the, the, the Premier League. So,
0: yeah.
1: For, for me, Klopp second, Pep third. And then, who was Us, the last? Arsene Wenger. Oh, that is, there's Arsene Wenger as and well. And there's Mourinho. Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think Arsene Wenger has to come in second. Okay. We have to pay his respects to the invincible team. Yeah. Um, so, Arsene Wenger second... Um Mourinho is at the bottom is at the is at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, <I>, Mourinho is <laughs> at the bottom. Yeah. Even though he's won so many, he's won 3 3 or 2 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, so he's had a an influential uh, role in the Premier League. So, yeah, that for me um that's my ranking of the top 5. So, managers. at number 1 you got Sir Alex. Yeah. Two. Number 2 Arsene, Arsene Wenger. Wenger.
0: Number 3 uh,
1: Number 3 is Jürgen Klopp. Jürgen Klopp. Number four? Four, Pep Guardiola. Yeah? And five? And five. And five, Mourinho. But Mourinho. wait, wait. <laughs> hey. Nah, nah, nah. Let me, let me. Hey, you seem confused. Mourinho is coming back to, to third now. Okay. okay. And then it moves down. Okay. Yeah, so everybody moves down yeah. okay. accordingly. Yeah. Only because Jürgen has only won one. I think yeah. in the near future, as he wins, yeah. if he wins, then yeah. we can have a conversation about whether or not he moves upward or, or not. But yeah. yeah. So last... Pep Guardiola, yeah. Jurgen Klopp, Mourinho, Arsene Wenger, uh, Sir Alex. Sir
2: Alex. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. It is. I have Sir Alex at, at the top. Yeah. yeah. Um, what what he has done is unparalleled. Yeah. But I have to put number two as Pep. I, I just uh, respect his philosophy. What he's done with the uh, brain and Silva, <laughs> it's it's amazing with Fernandinho. Yeah. Uh, it's truly amazing what he has done at City. He has uh, rejuvenated Kuhn at times. What Kuhn has been able to do, I believe, is uh, credit to Pep. So I'd put Pep uh, second. Um, Arsene Wenger, Mourinho, and who else? Jürgen Klopp. Klopp third. Marino, then Arsene, then Gano. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I was forced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was the options you gave me. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, at first place, I've got um, Sir Alex Ferguson. Okay. And what I love about Sir Alex Ferguson is that he built a well-oiled machine. He built uh, a thorough, well-rounded footballing team that never, ever... Ever dependent on any individual. And as the years went by, he'd sell his best players, he'd fall out with his best, but he'd always keep on winning. And that for me is the epitome of a team, you know, not reliant on any individual. His dominance in English football is by far the greatest. And I personally don't think there will be another that will ever match his record or that will ever dominate in English Premier League football. Not because there's there's not a capable manager, I just think that the game now is moving in a direction where we're seeing shorter stints at the highest level, and we're not going to see a man who's going to be at the helm for longer than 20 years. So Sir Alex Ferguson is definitely number one, in my opinion. At number two, I definitely have to give it to Pep Guardiola. I honestly feel like Pep Guardiola changed football in England how the team set up, how the other teams play, he definitely changed football. And I say this with great respect to all other managers who have come before him. And also when you look at it from this perspective, every country that Pep Guardiola has coached in, the national team has gone on to either win the World Cup or play in the semi-finals. And that's the impact that Pep Guardiola has to a a footballing league and a footballing country. When he got to England, he showed us things that we have never seen before. We had never seen the inverted fullbacks. We'd never seen um, a, a manager who's able to hit the ground running. And this was a man who was able to win the league back to back. That is so difficult. A man who was able to get 100 points. A man over two seasons who was able to amass 196 points. To also score 100 goals as well. The amount of records that he's broken within English Premier League football. A man who went on to win the league without one of the greatest midfielders in the English Premier League, which is Kevin Bruyne, A man who was able to win the league without Leroy Sané. A man who's constantly able to reinvent himself. So Pep Guardiola definitely has to be number two. At number three, I've got uh, Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger for similar purposes Because Arsene Wenger is also another man Who um, revolutionised the English game yeah. When he came from Japan And he came with his methodologies And with his way, ways of doing things A lot of the players were startled as, as to How does this man think? How does he do the things that he does? And he was able to get the best out of um, That Arsenal group that he had And uh, the Ian Wrights of this world the Dennis Burcamps, the Vieiras, they mm. speak of how this man came with the diet plan. How mm. this man came up with different ways of training. And they'd never seen that before. This is a man who was not just um, uh, a football manager, but he was actually coaching them during the week. And what a lot of people don't understand and know is that in other teams when you play, you don't really get coached. In the sense that during the tra- during the training sessions, is just preparing for the game that's it but this was a man who was improving players coaching players on a one-to-one basis on a one-to-one level which for me is very important because then that tells me that you don't always have to go out in the market and buy but you can take a player and turn him into one of the best players of all times and the perfect example of that is none other than Henry a man who took he took from Juventus who was playing as a wing back at Juventus, and he turned him into one of the greatest finishers of all time. Yeah. Some arguably say that he's the greatest foreign, foreign player to ever play in the English Premier League, yeah. and I agree with that notion. At number four is Jose Mourinho. His will and determination to win is quite impressive for me, and how he gets the job done. And when he, won, um, when he first won the league title with Chelsea, they only conceded 15 goals. 15 goals in 38 games, that is a great defensive record. And on an FPL perspective, I would have loved to have those defenders. (laughs) You know? But this is a man who is set in his ways. He's never changed his system. And once his system gets going, I believe that he can win in any league. And um, to round it all off, I then have Jurgen Klopp. I believe this is a man who's coming into his own, he's coming into his prime. And The best example of that is um, this season. Currently they've got so many injuries but they're able to keep things moving and they're able to keep getting the points and they sit high up on the long. So that is my top five of the greatest English Premier League managers to ever manage within the league. With that being said, we've come to yet another end of uh uh, an episode which is disky vibes and i've thoroughly enjoyed um the the coach's corner and i hope you guys have also enjoyed it i'd like to thank neil for coming on and sharing his vast knowledge and experience within the game and um this has been a beautiful episode my name is liolo
1: and i'm sichaba
0: signing out